0: Hello, and welcome back to the Braxton Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gidding. This week on Campfire Stories, Chapter 10, Farmers or Heroes. So let's go get that campfire started, and we'll nestle in for a good story. The Kings of Braxton, Born Unto Trouble. Chapter 10, Farmers or Heroes. 1. Fort Holberg was built to protect trade and supply routes on the river during the American Revolutionary War. It was located nearly four miles from the town that would eventually become Braxton. There wasn't much of the once great fort left. The foundation was star-shaped on one side facing away from the river, And a large earthen mound followed the river's edge for nearly one hundred yards. Two rock walls remained on the star side, but were crumbling fast. On that same side was a tattered door that led to a basement, which had been used to store weapons, food, and supplies. In the earthen mound was carved out a tunnel that led to the remains of a dock. Most of the wooden dock had crumbled and floated downstream long ago, leaving only its foundation and the stone path leading up to it. A shabby flagpole still stood in the center of the fort, but a flag hasn't flown there in nearly eighty years. Fort Holbrook had ties to the King family. Their great-grandfather played a major role in the war against the French around the area. When a new fort was to be built along the river where he gave his life in the battle, the first name that came to mind was the war hero Ralph Holbrook, whose daughter married James King. War was in the King blood from the very beginning, right down to the very first kings. Edward and Jason King, who were born Edward and Jason Washburn, came to the New World in 1639, through New Plymouth, with a group of men, women, and children. The brothers changed their name from Washburn to King because they said they were going to be the kings of their own destiny in the New World. They were hired by a group of Jesuit priests for protection as they made their way to the Ohio Country. Once there, they created a settlement where they started trade and relations with the Iroquois Confederation which was made up of many native tribes. Some years later, the brothers were caught up in the Beaver Wars, which was fought between the native tribes backed by the English and Dutch on one side and the French on the other. The kings had all been fighters from that point on. Sam knew all about the King family legacy, both the good and the bad, and he knew that war ran in their blood. He recognized that no matter how hard he tried to ignore it, he would always be fighting one battle or another. Fort Holbrook was Sam's secret spot, a place he went when he really needed to be alone with his thoughts. It took the place of the pond once he realized Al knew where to find him. The day was still fairly young, as Sam sat atop the mound overlooking the river with his sturdy brown and black Canadian horse tied to the flagpole. He was armed only with his favorite Colt 1889 Revolver. He smoked a fat cigar as he contemplated the events of the last few weeks. He was feeling drained and hadn't been sleeping well. His demons visited him while he slept and woke him in a cold sweat nearly every night. But waking didn't scare the demons away. Now that the identity of the German was revealed, Sam thought it would be a good time to rest up and prepare for the next stage in finishing this fight. He thought that it might also make the German think the brothers were at a loss and had no next move. Sam also knew that he and Neil could use the time off. After all, they had been working nonstop to solve the massacre at Lefty's. Suddenly... Sam heard the unmistakable sound of Al's loud truck pulling up. He stood and walked down the embankment to the inside of the fort, then sat at the bottom of the mound. Owl made his way over, relying on his cane for every step, and took a seat next to Sam. The two sat in silence, neither wanting to disturb the peacefulness of the moment as they listened to the river flow behind them. "'How'd you find me?' Sam finally asked. "'I've known of your hiding spot for quite a number of years. "'You're just like your namesake. "'He could never hide from me, either. "'You know, he and I were like brothers. "'Closest thing I had to a brother, anyway. "'Sam was named after his father's brother, "'who he knew truly was like a brother to Al.' He had been the youngest of the three King brothers, and Al was his oldest friend. They fought in the Indian Wars together, and he was instrumental in rescuing Al after he was captured by one of the tribes they were sent to remove from the land. He gave his life for a cause. And I think it's time I tell you how he was killed, Al said in a dolorous tone. You told me. No. No. Not the details. I've never told anyone the details, not even your father or your uncle Elias. Sam wanted peace between the tribes and the Americans. He thought that we could exist together without all the violence. He and I were sent to a reservation called Pine Ridge to help disarm the Indians there because there had been rumors of a planned uprising. As the soldiers gathered weapons, one Indian refused to give his up. Al paused for a moment to gain his composure. This event was on par with Sam's St. Dee church incident. It had haunted Al for years. A soldier argued with the Indian, who didn't seem to understand why the soldier was trying to take his rifle. Sam stepped in to resolve the dispute, but was pushed aside by the soldier. He stumbled and fell against the Indian, causing his gun to go off. That shot hit your uncle and started the chaos that led to a massacre. Soldiers opened fire, Indians scrambled for safety, and a few went for their guns that were piled up in the center of camp. They say three hundred Indians were slaughtered that day, men, women, and children. Sam was among the twenty-plus soldiers who were killed. I saw the look on the faces of the soldiers, and some of the Indians as well. It was a deep bloodlust, and it fueled the violence that day. If Sam had been where he was told to be on that day and at that moment, He would most likely have lived, but the slaughter would have happened either way. It was in the eyes of the soldiers when they arrived. Your uncle saw an injustice being done and he had to help. He had to step in. Sam had sat smoking his cigar as he listened. You see, one man can cause the death of many innocent people. Or one man can stop it. But if that one man steps in the middle of a conflict with someone who has their heart set on destruction, it doesn't matter how strong his convictions are. The outcome will always be brutal. Al was almost in tears as he told the story. Sam had never heard the full story of his uncle's death, He only knew he died a hero in the war. The story was disturbing and he, too, fought back a tear. I tell you this not to prove that Sam was a hero, but because you and your brother are in the same situation. This German is bent on destruction, led by a madman in charge of what seems to be an army Sam and I signed up to fight the war, but it wasn't until we got there that we realized the truth of the matter. Them Indians had more right to that land than we did. We tried to help resolve as many disputes as we could, and I'd like to think we saved many lives. But it was a battle we couldn't win. You and your brother need to watch out for one another and realize that you do have limitations. If this is a battle you can't win, you need to let it be. You need to back off. Even if it means giving the town to the German. You can get it back when you have the ability. Sam didn't like the idea of giving up, and he was never going to do it. But he knew what Al was trying to say. And it made sense. The brothers would have to fully know what was going on before making their next move. They would need to know all the players and all the angles. Two. Neil, Carol, Liz, and Al sat around the kitchen table playing cards. Each had a mason jar of their homemade shine sitting next to them. Neil discarded a three of clubs and Liz tried to hide a smile as Al laughed. "'Have you ever heard of the word bluff, Liz?' Al asked with a chuckle. "'I can't help it. I don't play a lot of card games, and I'm catching on here pretty quick.' "'Doesn't really matter, anyway,' Carol said proudly. "'She placed her cards on the table. Three jacks, three fours, and a six, seven, eight, and nine of spades.' Really? Again? Neil huffed as he dropped his cards on the table face up. I don't think I've seen you beat her in years, Sam laughed as he poured himself a drink and took a seat near Liz. There was that one time Neil tried to defend himself. Right, one time, Al joked. After the points were tallied, Liz grabbed the deck and shuffled the cards. Deal me out of this hand, Liz. This old man needs to get some rest, Al said as he slowly stood. He left the room with his jar and cane to turn in for the night. Liz dealt the cards. So, Neil began as he discarded his first card, an eight of diamonds. Al said the two of you had a good talk today. I guess, Sam said. Staying mindful of the cards that were being played. He always kept track of what people set down and picked up. He felt that gin was the perfect way to keep his mind sharp, and he was usually the winner. What did you talk about? Liz asked. Oh, you know, just stuff and things. Yeah, that sounds like a great conversation, Carol teased as she discarded. The three looked at Sam, waiting for him to tell them the content of the conversation. He glanced up from his hand and saw that all eyes were on him. "'Your turn, Liz,' he said, trying not to talk about it. Liz made her move and Sam followed with his. He knew that he was going to have to say something. "'He told me the story of how our uncle was killed,' he finally revealed. ''Sam?'' Neil asked as he drew. ''Yes.'' ''He died in the war, right?'' Carol asked, sounding a little unsure. ''That's right, but it was a bit more than that.'' Sam repeated the story that had been told to him earlier in the day as the four continued their game. They listened closely to the tale of Sam and Al in the war and how they were unprepared for the outcome not really knowing everything they needed to know going in. His words hit me hard. They made me realize we need to know every angle and every possible outcome before we go after Frankie, he finished. Sam drew a king of hearts, which gave him two kings. He stared at them for a moment, contemplating the deeper meaning and irony in his hand. You gonna discard? Carol asked after waiting a moment. Sam dropped a four of hearts, which was picked up by Neil. So, do we need to find out who's pulling his strings before we go after him? Neil asked. I don't think so. Frankie might be important to this guy's plan, but... I'm not sure if he is the only key. By getting Frankie, we might force his hand and draw him out in the open, Sam said as he watched Neil and then Carol make their moves. If we just knew the endgame, we could finish this once and for all, Neil added. You thinking it's someone in town? Carol asked as Sam took his turn. There's only one person in town who hates us, but I don't see Jake going to this extreme to get us. Whoever's pulling the strings wants us to suffer, and wants us to look bad. So Jake is a likely person, but I just don't think he would want to kill innocents to do it, Neil said. Sam studied his cards. Two kings, four queens, a five, six, eight, and nine of spades, and a jack of hearts. What if you're going about it the wrong way? Liz began. What if it's not somebody you would expect, but somebody who's close to you? Sam took a swig of his drink and leaned back in his chair. He never thought it might be a wolf in sheep's clothing, but it wasn't a bad angle to examine. The game was paused in silence as Sam thought about what Liz had just said. Neil stared at Liz, who was staring at Sam. He was shocked that he hadn't thought of it that way either. She might be onto something, Neil finally said. I think you're right. It could explain our failures lately, if someone's tipping them off, Sam added. Who would benefit from your death? Carol asked as she dropped a card. Sam and Neil looked at each other for an answer. I don't know. We've left Braxton to its own devices for so long that we don't really matter to the town. So there's no reason to get rid of us, Neil said. Liz dropped a nine of hearts and took a gulp from her mason jar. I just can't think of anyone who would want to do this. Frankie, I get, but who would want or need him to do their bidding? sam pondered well i think we need more shine to figure this neil was interrupted by sam Gin, he blurted as he placed his cards on the table with a smirk that's it i'm never playing this again neil yelled as he tossed his hand the group laughed it was good for them to take this time and be together carol gathered up the cards and then the group got up and went to the sitting room with freshly filled jars. Liz sat on the couch with Sam, but not too close, and Neil and Carol sat closer together on the opposite couch. Neil raised his jar to the sky. "'Sue family!' he said with a slight slur. "'Two family,' Carol repeated. Sam raised his glass but said nothing, and Liz just sat in silence. She didn't want to get too close to Sam, but didn't want him to realize she was keeping her distance. For his part, Sam was okay with her keeping him at arm's length. He was afraid to let anyone into his life, especially Liz. Neil and Carol were too busy with each other to notice what was going on across from them. They had always been a close couple and never kept that from anyone. Public displays of affection were something they didn't even think about. It just happened. Liz sat uncomfortably in silence, and Sam seemed to be lost in his own world, oblivious to everyone else. Sorry, Neil laughed, but you know my wife is irresistible. I think it's cute, Liz said as she glanced over at Sam. This is how life should be, boys, Carol began, peacefully spending time with loved ones, not out chasing villains and getting shot at all the time. Your biggest concern should be how well the crops are doing, not which direction the final bullet will come from. Yes, Neil agreed. Sam was uncomfortable with talk of peaceful times. He was afraid that it created a false level of comfort and would cause them to lower their guard. Sam knew their job would never truly be done. I could really get used to this. It's a lot better than sitting at home all the time reading, like I usually do, Liz said with a crooked smile. Liz had always been shy and awkward, which made it hard to make friends. Her time was spent mostly alone with the Exception of her job at Lefty's. Suddenly, Sam stood and excused himself, returning to his house by the creek. And Liz was left sitting by herself, feeling unwanted. Sorry, Liz, Carol sympathized. Liz forced a smile and left the room without a word. Her inner conflict over Sam needed to be resolved. Three... Sam sat on his bed, smoking his pipe. He took off his shirt and tossed it on the floor, and then took off his boots. He was relaxing and letting his guard down. The room was lit only by a small oil lamp sitting on the dresser across from the bed. His mind was racing in many directions, unable to focus on any one thing. When he heard the floorboards down the hall creak, He instantly thought of the gun belt he had draped over the bedpost and calculated how long it would take to grab it and shoot the intruder. Not wanting to waste any time, Sam grabbed his gun, quietly thumbed back the hammer, and took aim toward the door, waiting for the intruder to show his face. The creaking grew louder and closer, but also further apart as if the intruder was trying to silence the noise. As Sam looked down the barrel of the gun, he saw Liz walk into the doorway. Sam quickly lowered the gun as she flinched and ducked back into the hall. You shouldn't sneak up like that, Sam said as he holstered the revolver. She returned. Sorry, I didn't want to wake you if you were sleeping. She stood in the doorway, looking sad and beautiful at the same time. Sam turned away and focused on cleaning the burned tobacco from his pipe. You scare me, Sam, Liz said with a trembling voice. Sam said nothing. You scare me, but still, I want to be in your life. I still love you. Sam looked up at her, but remained silent. She took a step into the room to gauge Sam's response. But it seemed he had none. He returned his gaze to the dresser and tried hard not to look at Liz. Since the day you and your brother saved my life, the first time, I've been in love with you, she said as she leaned against the doorframe. I don't deserve your love, Sam finally replied sadly and with a heavy heart. It's my love to give and I'll be the one to make that decision," Liz said as she looked at the dresser and noticed the article and photo of herself. That made her grin just a bit. The fact he had kept it all these years meant there was a part of him deep inside that had feelings for her, at least at one point. I've done things, Liz. Things that I can never take back. And things I can't forget, no matter how hard I try, Sam said as he reloaded his pipe. What is so bad that you no longer deserve love? she asked. You don't want to know, he replied in a cold, dismissive tone. I do want to know. I want to know everything, she retorted. This is who I am now. And there's no going back to who I was. The guy you fell in love with died in France, Sam explained with a note of certainty. Liz lowered her head in dismay. She knew that there was hope, but she just didn't know how to bring him back from the hell he was trapped in. She turned and slowly left the room. Inside... She had hoped that Sam would call her back, but he said nothing. He just sat quietly smoking his pipe and trying not to feel anything at all. No pain, no love, sadness, happiness, nothing at all. He picked up a glass filled with whiskey and drank it down without even pausing to breathe. 4. Sam was in the kitchen of his small house, pouring a morning cup of coffee, when Neil walked in and silently took a seat next to him at the table. Sam poured Neil a cup as well, then got up to put the pot back on the stove. The brothers were quiet for some time as Sam leaned against the counter, sipping his coffee, and Neil sat at the table, watching the steam rise from his mug. "'You want some eggs?' Sam asked, breaking the silence. "'I could do with some breakfast,' Neil said. He knew that he needed to talk with Sam, but he didn't know how to start, or even what he needed to say. Sam lit the stove and began heating a pan. The front door opened, and Al limped into the kitchen, his cane falling heavy on the wooden floor. "'Morning, boys.' he said as he took a seat at the table. We're trying to get that back field ready for next season, Al began. That'll add an extra ten acres of wheat, plus the new land purchase will be finalized this afternoon, giving us an additional seventy-five if we can get it ready in time. He finished as he leaned his cane against the table. That's great, Neil responded. That we should bring in a good yield for us. And with the extra land, we can expand the field here for the cows and sheep, like we've talked about for a while. Think Boone can get it ready in time? Don't see why not, Al replied. Sam listened to the two men talk about the growth of the farm as he cooked breakfast for them. As much as he wanted to be alone, He always enjoyed spending time with what little family he had left. Nothing was more important to him. It was a moment of normalcy in his otherwise recently chaotic life. And it felt like it was a glimpse into a possible future. A future that Sam longed for, but feared would never come. What do you think about getting that new Thrasher for the expanded field, Sam? Sam? Neil asked as he walked over to him. "'You talking about the one we saw a few months back? The new and very expensive one?' Sam asked as he mixed some eggs in the hot pan. "'Of course. Just imagine what we could do with something like that. The time we would save.' So, Al began. "'What's with this beautiful young lady Liz? Is she the next king?' Neil laughed. I think she is, Uncle. I think the beast is smitten with the young beauty. Sam ignored the jocularities of the two as he cracked more eggs into the pan. We're going to have to hire a few new men once we get that new land. It's got to get worked before winter, Sam said. You always do that, Al began. You change the subject whenever you don't like the topic. We need to start thinking about the financial future of this farm, like updating the mill and getting another silo, Sam said, continuing to dodge the topic. Well, Neil began. Maybe we should have bought that grain elevator by the tracks. Might not be too late, Al agreed. The three continued to talk about the future of the farm while Sam made their breakfast. This topic was just as important, if not more so, than the topic of the German, and it needed to be taken care of. Once breakfast was ready, Sam dished it out onto the five plates that sat on his small table. Just as he took his seat, Carol and Liz arrived. Liz was wearing a nice simple skirt with a short-sleeved top. She looked beautiful, and Sam was speechless. She doesn't have much here, so I lent her something nice of mine, Carol explained. Liz wanted to look nice for Sam. She thought it might convince him to give her a chance and melt that cold heart of his just a bit. The girls took their seats at the table, Carol next to Neil and Liz next to Sam. "'You look beautiful, Elizabeth,' Al said. "'Thanks. It's been a while since I looked nice,' she said, a little embarrassed. "'We'll have to go to her place and—' "'Pick up a few things,' Carol said. "'I'll go with you, just in case. "'I want to make sure they aren't watching her place,' "'Neil said firmly. "'Liz could feel Sam's gaze, "'even if she didn't see it, "'and she tried to hold back a smile of her own "'as she began to eat her breakfast. "'Al was happier at that moment "'than he had been in nearly twenty years. "'He knew that one day soon, Liz and Sam would marry, even if Sam tried to deny it at that moment. Once again, Al had a family. All he needed now was peace. But he knew it would be a hard fight to get the peace that was well-deserved. Thank you very much for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed Chapter 10, Farmers or Heroes. Join me next week for Chapter 11, preparing if you like what you're hearing please share this show with others also if you're interested you can hop over to amazon.com and buy the kings of braxton born under trouble and thank you very much for stopping by